Well, it's good to be here tonight. Uh, I tell you, what a year we've seen and been through. And I just want to say from Marlon Rutherford and my family, uh, how grateful we are for the steadfastness of this congregation of the Lord's Church. Wow. Y'all been an example. And I want you to just know that coming from us. We had a time or two during things that took place uh, where we were able to be a part of your worship service uh, through uh, the media. And we, we just want to be... Y'all have uh, set the example for the Lord's Church. You can, you're really to be commended for that. I want to just tell you a couple things that's going on uh, about Russia. You know, I can't really come here without saying a few things, but 30 years. This is the 30th year that the Lord's Church here in Midway saw some of us uh, people from the congregation make a trip to Russia. And Lord willing, this October, they're planning on a celebration of 30 years. But today, I actually got an email that said um, that the visas at this time are not being uh, given out. So I, w I wish you would put that on top of your prayer list, if you will. Hopefully, some of us will be able to make that trip uh, in, in the fall. And, of course, the, the brethren over there are real excited I will say one thing that's just real encouraging to me. A lot of things, you know, the Lord's church is going to continue. I'll never forget, I always think sometimes on these trips, is this the last one? And I've looked at that airport several times, walking up that little set of steps to get in that plane, thinking this could be the last time. October 19 so far was the last trip. But Lord willing, that's going to open back up. But, but let me tell you something exciting happened. The Lord's Church here at Midway was a part of the Lord's Church being established in Borkata, the church at the top of the world. That was in 92, as I remember. Some of the brethren from this congregation went there, along with some other brethren, established the Lord's Church in Borkata, Russia, at the uttermost part, one of them. Y'all, there's a young man up there now preaching that your support's helping he started, uh, there's been several preachers that's come and gone there because it's a difficult place. The weather's terrible. It's just a difficult place to live. Minus 60 degree weather. In the dead of winter and they do a lot of walking. Anyways, this young man, I don't want to talk all about Russia, but just for a minute. And he's been there, y'all, three months. Now the Lord's Church is registered with the government and working to Russia. I don't know how many people have gone over and tried to make that happen. This young man's, through a pandemic, the Lord's Church now is registered with the government. In other words, the government recognizes them as a religious organization in that city. You say, what's that? They had to sign their names and tell them the government, we're members of this church. Y'all part of that. I just want to tell you that. Tonight, we're going to talk just a few minutes on... Uh, Brother David asked me, y'all forgive me one more, I've been bailing hay up until just a few minutes ago, so I may have some hay bales in my eyes and I may stutter a little bit, but I just want to tell you, thankful for the prayers. Uh, you know, last year was a little tough on me, but made it through it, uh, and I'm thankful for the prayers on, on all of that. But tonight, if you got your song book, Brother David asked me to speak on a song that I really liked. 
That may not exactly the way he put it, but which song do you pick? You know? But I'm going to tell you a song that just kind of jumps out at me, and we've probably sung it, and y'all probably sung it a bunch of times. We're not going to sing it at this point, but it's song number 171. And I want us just to allude to this just a minute, and then we're going to begin our lesson. <clears throat> but in, on song number 171, it's entitled, When I Survey the Wonder Scrolls. Usually we sing that song a lot of times before we take the Lord's Supper. But tonight I want us to kind of dig through this song a little bit and really see that our life should be all about the cross of Jesus Christ. And tonight that's where we're going to go with our lesson here just for a few minutes. I hope you got your Bible because we're going to try to uh, turn through many passages together too. Uh, as we do that. But I want to just make reference to the last verse of the song. And this is kind of where we're going to end. Were the whole rim of nature mine, that were a present f far too small, love so amazing, so divine, this last part, demands my soul, my life, my all. That gives me chill bumps. So tonight, let's look at the Word of God, and hopefully we're going to go through several of these passages together. But you know, when we look at uh, the cross, and we think about the cross, when I survey the wonders cross, I see the cruelty of mankind. You know, in Mark chapter 14, the Bible talks about there that verses uh, 55 through 59, we won't read all these, we may, we may read some of them, but in Mark chapter uh, 14, all of these passages here is right at the crucifixion scene. And we find here that the Bible says that they had uh, bore false witness. I use the old King James, so many of you may have a more modern uh, version that may say lie, make lies up. But, you know, one thing that happened at the cross of Christ before he was crucified, they, bought, they bore a lot of false witness against him. You ever been lied to you ever been lied about? That's not, you know, most of us probably raised our hand on that. And, but you know, the Bible says here that all of this took place with Jesus Christ. But what did he do? Yet he opened not his mouth. And then in Matthew chapter 26, verse 67 through 68, just another rendering of, of the crucifixion scene there. The Bible says that some of these people actually spit in Jesus Christ's face. Wow, I hope that's not never happened to you. Or maybe the Bible also says that they slapped him. That's pretty humiliating, isn't it? And Jesus Christ was doing this because he was the Son of God. And he came to seek and save those that were lost. In verse, and in John chapter 19 then, the scripture says here, let's just read this one together. John chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. This is Jesus Christ before Pilate. And the Bible says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Y'all, I guess I'm a little older. And some of the, well, I noticed we got some young people here tonight, but 
Most of y'all have seen or heard about that movie, The Passion of the Christ. Y'all remember that? I know it's just a man-made movie. But I'm going to tell you, one of the most humbling scenes in that movie was when they had Jesus Christ strapped across that board and they scourged him. Why did he do that? Notice the latter part of this, verse number 2 of Acts, uh, John 19. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put a purple robe on him and said, Hail, the king of the Jews, and they smote him with their hand. You know, it's really all about the cross of Christ. But when we look at, when I survey the wondrous cross, I guess the first point, if there is a point tonight, if we keep points, was we really see the cruelty of what man really is. And then the consequences of my sin is also another part of when I survey the wondrous cross. You know, Romans chapter 3 is a passage, if you will, turn there. We, we, we read this a lot of times, and or we quote, we quote verse... Uh, 23, but sometimes we fail to go ahead and read through verse 25. So if you will, let's just read, uh, let's read 23 through 25 just for a moment. It says, For we all have sinned and come short of the glory of Christ, of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption, listen to this, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Notice verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of the sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Wow. That's what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. Then... In uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 14, if you will, let's turn there. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. My glasses, I told him a while ago, my glasses, I feel like I got maybe a bell of hay in each one of my eyes, and I'm still, I'm still trying to see that, so y'all forgive me. But Titus chapter 2, verse 14, a, a powerful passage where the Apostle Paul writes here. Notice what he said. Talking about Jesus Christ, he said, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You know, I don't want this to turn into a negative statement. But I hope it's not said here too often at Midway. But I'm concerned myself that many congregations of the Lord's church keep making this statement. We used to. My. We used to. A peculiar people. Are we? One of our elders stood up at Hatton not too long ago and he was talking about when he obeyed the gospel. Now, he's got a few more gray hair than I've got, if I can believe that, but I won't call his name, but most of y'all know all the elders I had. Solid, solid man. I love him. And he made a statement when he obeyed the gospel 
that he was so excited. We all remember that day, hopefully. So he goes to school the next day, and guess what happened? Somebody stuck a pin in that balloon. Well, you mean to tell me you did what? You mean you did that because of those people think they're the only ones that? And his pen just went away. His, his thunder, so to speak, he said. And he even made a mention of some things about being peculiar people. You know, we used to preach lessons on modest apparel. You, you probably still do, and that's good, brother. We used to teach lessons on fill in the blank. We are a peculiar people because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's don't forget that. If you don't remember anything else tonight, remember that. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we should remain a peculiar people. First Peter chapter one. Let's read this together. First Peter chapter one. Now the Apostle Peter uh, writes these words, and, and, and he talks about some powerful passage here that just, uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. And notice what Paul Peter says here, talking about the consequences of our sin. Verse number 21, For even hereunto ye are called, because Christ also himself suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself that the judgment righteously. Verse 24, For who has with his own self bore our sins on the, on his body, in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. Verse 25. For ye were like sheep gone astray, but are now returned to the shepherd, the bishop of your souls. Wow. What powerful passage. That we, even our sins, was, you know, sometimes we get far removed from the mindset of the cross. Did y'all ever do that? Sometimes? You know, you think, well, you know, that was a long time ago. Did he really forgive me of my sins? But he did. On the cross of Calvary. So then, one other thing when we look at this song tonight, when I survey the wondrous cross, we see the character of our Savior. You know, once again in Mark chapter 14, verse 61, the Bible said, He helped His peace. You know, uh, we were talking, especially during uh, sporting events. It's hard to keep your tongue even during some of that sometime, isn't it? I don't know. We won't have, ask anybody to raise their hand. But, you know, uh, somebody misses a field goal or misses a, 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 a shot at the end of the game. And you think, man, anybody could do that. You know, we kind of, we was, a, it was kind of funny. All of you know Chris, and I'm not here to confess everything about Hatton people here at Midway tonight, but Chris Miller, our preacher, great, great brother in the Christ, and he was talking uh, not too long ago a lesson about how that sometimes we just let ourselves get away from ourselves. 
y'all ever do that? You go to a sporting event and something, he just get away from you. And maybe the referee does something to your child or some of your uh, friend or, or uh, fan or, or sporting member, and you just, man, you just lose it. I'm sure nobody's ever done that here. I've been to a few games with some of you. <laughs> and so, but, but it's the truth. We just, we just, even over a sporting event. But can you imagine Jesus Christ on that cross being spit on, being slapped, being lied about. Why? Wow. And the Bible says he opened not his mouth. And then, even before he, when he was before Herod, there in Luke chapter 23, verse 9, you know, Herod asked him a bunch of questions. You know, and, and you know, normally, somebody asks you a question, a lot of us, you know, will just fire back an answer pretty quick. But the Bible says there that Jesus didn't answer him. But you know, the, the, the latter part of that chapter, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, after all this, the scourging, the spitting, the slapping, the sins of the whole mankind, and he could say these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Aren't we thankful for those words even today? Wow. You go to Isaiah chapter 53, a passage we're all familiar with. We won't read that. But, you know, talking about the suffering Savior. And he talks about all those things. He just reiterates everything we just talked about. Isaiah does there. And he says, yet he opened not his mouth. Then, uh, when I survey the wondrous cross, I see the commitment of Jesus Christ to do his Father's will. I can't help but think, and I'm not trying to just call out any one person here tonight. But Brother Bernard Thomas, man, meant a lot to me at this congregation when I was here. He would sit up here on this front row or that over that other place. <laughs> he was still part of this congregation, obviously. And I don't know how many times I heard that man say, buy the truth and sell it not. And look what a family he raised. Not all of them were perfect. Not condemning any family, just like all families. But he, he believed. And when Mr. Bernard said something, most everybody listened. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. But you know, it's something about when your father tells you to do something, usually you try to do it. Don't you? <laughs> Brother Alfred James. We won't call them all. Y'all forgive me if I'm missing something, but it's a bunch. Brother Neil LeMay is still here tonight, didn't he? I saw him walk in. Had a big impact on my life when I was here uh, in the 90s. But the point is, when your father tells you something, you try to do it. That was all Jesus Christ did. When he came to earth, the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 24, the Bible... Let's just read that. John chapter 4, verse 34. <clears throat> and we're going to read them through verse 36 while we're there. 
John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You know, I was bailing hay there a while ago and it looked like it was fixing rain. And the guy was helping me. He said, are we going to finish? I said, yeah, we're going to finish. <laughs> you know, he's, it's something about finishing, isn't it? You know, children, we train our kids to finish. As Christians, it's all about finishing. We have got to finish. Because the greatest example we had was Jesus Christ who came to the earth to finish what the Father told him to do. And that's what the Scripture teaches us here. In verse 35, he says, Yet there are four months, and the harvest come. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already into harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages. Get this part. He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. That both he and the sower, and he that soweth and he that reapeth, may rejoice together. It's all about reaping, sowing and reaping, and finishing the work as Christians while we're here on earth. As Christians, I think the last time I was here last year when y'all invited me to come, as Christians, y'all, we got one job. The same that Jesus Christ came to do to seek and save the lost. You know, in John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus Christ says his last words while he was on the cross was, It is finished. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Hebrew writer says there that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. You know, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 through 8, the verses that we're familiar with, he says, what do you say? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Then I can't help think about Stephen there in Acts chapter 7. The one time the Bible mentions that Jesus Christ was standing you know, most passages of the Bible talks about Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God. But if you look in Acts chapter 7, let's just turn there real quick. You said this clock is three minutes slow or fast? Okay. Acts chapter 7. <clears throat> Man, this, this sort of warm you up right here. Acts chapter 7 verses, let's just start with verse number uh, 54. When they heard these things... I mean, Stephen had let them have it. Had he not? He just called them out and said, Look, I'm going to tell you what, y'all. If there ever was a time the Lord's church needs to be letting people know about Jesus Christ is right now. What we just went through, we can't keep looking back. Thank God y'all didn't. This congregation, y'all kept moving forward and God bless you. But as the church as a whole, we got to keep moving forward. Telling people about Jesus Christ. And so, Stephen just got through doing this. He called them out. And then what happened to him? And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw 
the glory of God, get this, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. We've been to these sporting events, especially these races. Anybody here do the cross country? Any of y'all's people do? Hatton, them kids at Hatton, a lot of them's in the cross country. I think y'all more into the more normal sports, <laughs> I guess I, I would say. And I'm, y'all don't go tell people Hatton. I said cross country wasn't normal, I'd be in trouble. But they, they've done pretty good at it, at Hatton. But there's something about, at the end of that finish line, People standing there watching you finish. And see, that's exactly what Jesus Christ is doing for each of us. Come on, you can make it. We're not done yet. You got to finish. Because He's standing there waiting on us. So don't give up. So we got to realize that that was the heart that Jesus Christ had. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes that he came obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Then in John chapter 5, verse 36, he said, He came to finish the works of the Father, the works that He had given Him to do. Y'all, it is all about finishing. As Christians, we've got to finish. You know, we just finished a series of lessons, or Chris did at Hatton on the book of Revelation. Very encouraging. But you know, when you get to Revelation 2.10, the verse that we all quote, be thou faithful unto death. It's all about being faithful unto death. When it's all said and done, isn't it, brother? That's what it's all about. So I want to encourage you tonight. We see the commitment of Jesus to do the will of His Father. As Christians, we need to have the same commitment. I want to encourage you in that. And then one of the lines in the song says, Sorrow and love flow mingled down. We see the commendation of God's love. You know, the verse that we can all quote. For God so loved the world. Man, it's been really encouraging a lot of times to stand before a group of people and say, the religion we're telling you about is not America religion. It's not China religion. It's not just Russia religion. It's about the religion of the world that God gave His only Son for all of us. Because a lot of times, even in these mission trips, things get a little political. But when you can stay focused on the one thing, for God so loved the world, it don't get too political. And as Christians, we need to stay focused on this one thing that God loved the whole world and people are going to die and go to the devil's hell if we don't do our part in trying to encourage them to obey the gospel. Romans chapter 5, a passage that Paul writes that's just real encouraging words. Romans 5, let's read this together. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verses, uh, let's read 6 through 9. For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. May not be y'all, but it's been this old boy. For scarcely for a righteous man shall one die, yet preadventure for a good man one should dare to die. For God commendeth His love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now get this next verse. For much more than being justified by His blood, we have been saved from wrath through Him. You know, 
I don't know, maybe y'all didn't have trouble being disobedient to your parents. I don't remember truthfully growing up. Well, I'll take that back. Some of y'all know my mother. <laughs> and so it was pretty... Usually if one of us was in trouble, we were all in trouble. And usually it was that switch from the back tree, and if it wasn't the right one, you had to go get another one. And usually you'd wear stripes for a little while. But you well understood what the wrath was about. I remember, man, I was little. And I told, I guess, my one and only lie in my life, and I'm standing for God as I say this. And she said, son, I'm going to give you a whooping for disobeying me. So that was a pretty bad whooping. Then she looked at me and she said, I'm going to give you a live whooping now. I ain't forgot that. I ain't forgot it. It's something about that wrath, you don't forget it. I think today they'd call that child abuse. <laughs> Some of you know her know what I'm talking about. But it, it, that made the wrath come me. Y'all, because of Jesus Christ dying on that cross, the ungodly, which is us, he, he did it for us to save us from that wrath. Wow. Aren't we thankful? So then in John chapter 14, verse 15, if he, he gave this great love to us, God did, how do we prove our love back to Him? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's pretty simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, it's kind of like in the holidays or birthdays, you know, not really birthdays, I guess more Christmas time. You know, you give gifts. You give somebody a gift. Most of the time they'll give you one back. It's not really expected, but that's kind of the way it works around the holidays. God gave us this. He expects all of us back. Is our gift back to Him. When I survey the wondrous cross, I see the confirmation of God's promise to deliver man from sin. Galatians chapter 3, a passage that we, we mention a lot. But Galatians chapter 3, if you will, turn there just a second. I'm proud this is more like a Bible class. I hope that's what you expected because I'm not the preacher. <laughs> so here we go. Galatians chapter 3 verse 16. Man, what a passage. This is, this is talking about the promise made to Abraham back in Genesis. So we get to Galatians chapter 3 and we find the Apostle Paul here trying to encourage these people to really understand what it's all about. Now man, get this one. Roman, uh, Galatians 3.16 now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to, and to seeds as many, but as one. And to thy seed, didn't say seeds, the seed is Jesus Christ. Can any of y'all go back to Brother Marshall Keeble? Nod your head, maybe. He used to, some of you probably heard his sermons. I, don't, I never saw him in person, but I've heard a lot of his sermons. You know, and he, they, he would always, he had a sermon one time. He said, if you plant corn, you're going to get what? Corn. If you plant Jesus Christ, you're going to get what? Christians. 
One of those Russians one time, I think I shared this once before here, but I'm going to tell it again. I was trying to make this example, this analogy, and I said, so if I take a Russian potato and bring it to America and I plant it in my garden, what am I going to get? And I thought they was going to say a, a potato. <laughs> well, this brother spoke up and he said, brother, you got a Russian potato with American passport. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, I guess that's one way to look at it. But that wasn't the point I was trying to make. Potato, potato. Christ, Christians. Corn, corn. But, but, but then, uh, noticing, Paul goes on the route, we've got to hurry, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he says that we might be made the righteousness of God by Jesus Christ. What a deliverer. Then in Hebrews chapter 10, we know the Bible teaches us there that Jesus Christ was offered once for all. I'm going to hurry through this just quickly. We've got just a few minutes. But I want I wanted to share something with you here just briefly for a moment. When I was in that hospital at UAB last summer with this COVID, I had talked about doing stuff. You ever do that? Say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this one day. I'm gonna do it. Well, I reckon that thing kind of hit me pretty good. I said, I'm, I'm gonna do this, Lord willing, when I get out. So when I came home and got kind of recuperated, I guess. I went up here and I had this lady help me and Katya had helped me some too. It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave the great commission to every one of us. So I had these little cards made up and they're not about me. But it says the gospel enacted. Have you obeyed the gospel? Mark chapter 16. The gospel divine. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4. How does one obey the gospel? Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. There are consequences for not obeying the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. The results of obeying the gospel. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. So I had some of these made up and I debated on whether or not to put my phone number on them. We as Christians are not to be ashamed. You know, Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of God. This is not about us. This is about Jesus Christ and sharing that great commission with a lost and dying world. I'm going to leave some of these tonight. Anybody want one? Mark through my phone number and put yours on it and just give them out. This time we get on fire and fill this building up and continue to fill up the Lord's church uh, all over the brotherhood. But you know, the great commission... It's what Jesus Christ was all about. You know, I think I kind of shared this the last time I was here. Sometimes the word go, we make it casual. Well, let's just go to town. We're going out to eat. But when we say something like this, we're going to, we're going to be invited to the governor's house for supper on June, uh, July the 4th. It's a little different then, isn't it? What made it different? We get to go. Jesus Christ said go. He means for us to deliberately be about the great commission of, of His Son and our Savior. 
I'm going to share just this last slide, and we're going to save just a little bit of this, maybe for the invitation. But when you look at the last verse of that song, demands my soul, my life, my all. When I really look at the cross of Jesus Christ. You know the passage that we all quote. Uh, Galatians 2.20 For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet, yet not I but Christ liveth in me. For the life I live by the flesh. By the, uh, I do so by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's all about the cross of Christ. Galatians 6.14, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, I should glory save in, the, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only glory. And then in Colossians chapter 1, we're going to stop here. But in Colossians chapter 1, let's read this together and we'll stop for our class. Apostle Paul writes here in verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For he, for it pleased the Father that in him, who's the him? Jesus Christ, should be all, or should all fullness dwell. And notice verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, because of Jesus Christ and his cross, we don't have to fear the wrath of God Almighty one day in heaven, in the day of judgment. I'm going to stop here if that's okay. Has anybody got a question, comment you want to make? I'm not sure how you're doing that, but... Uh, we'll we'll take I guess a, a minute or two break. Is that my about right? And then let the let the children come in. <laughs>